everybody that's online. Uh, it's such a joy to have you with us. Again, we have an online campus, and so church is a whole lot bigger than what we are just right here. And so we want to welcome them, and thank you for participating and taking uh, this time to be with us this Sunday morning. Well, if you remember in our uh, series of selfies, we said that a selfie is simply a picture of what you want to present to somebody that is really what you think is flattering, right? Have you ever pay, po- posted a unflattering picture that just made you look horrible unless it was something that was maybe out of fun or jesting or something of that nature. But most of the time you're sending or uh, 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 posting a picture that you think looks good of you. Well, we said that there is really a true identity of who you are or the way that God made you as a believer or a follower of Christ. And we said this, that in the New Testament, especially in the epistles, we said that there are 130 selfies of who you are. In fact, the Bible says, or we should say it this way, Paul said that the Holy Spirit gave me some specific terminology that came directly from him. And it's these words of in him, in whom, or in Christ. So in him, in whom, or in Christ are all the selfies of what belongs to you or who you are in Him. Can you say amen? Amen. Can you say that's who I am? Can you say that's my selfie? (laughs) Everything that we see in the New Testament that says in Him, in whom, or in Christ is your selfie. It's who you are or it's what you possess. And so we've been continuing to look at that, and we're going to take it a little step further today as we continue with this series. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, just to remind you of a couple of verses that we looked at. In first, uh, excuse me, Galatians chapter 2, uh, verse 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who, who, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, we said this, that this is what the Bible speaks of us, that when Jesus died and when we received Christ, we really died with him. The old person, the old nature, the old crummy feeling self died with him. And you might say, well, I don't feel so good. I don't feel like I'm loved. I don't feel like I'm I'm better than what I think I am. But remember what the Bible says here. It says, I have faith in God who loves me. Everybody say this with me. God loves me. me. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Come on. You've got to begin to understand that God loves you. In spite of all your past, in spite of all the faults and the failures, in spite of everything, the Bible says that God loves you and gave His Son for you. And therefore, the Bible says when He died, we died. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, again, continuing to review, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, everybody say, in Christ. Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So once again, if you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, if you receive Christ into your life, the Bible says that the old man was done away with and that you're a brand new creation in him. And then lastly, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and and knowledge. This knowledge of who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ is so pertinent to us. 
And this knowledge is really the, the, the drawing line or, or, or the line in the sand that puts us over or keeps us in a position of where we're at. There is a knowledge for us to understand. And if we begin to understand or begin to have knowledge of who we are in Christ, as I said the last two weeks, it will stop the harassing voices of condemnation or self-defeat in your life. Does anybody identify with that? Because I know that I, I have in the past. And I said that this is something that has put me over in life. Now, that doesn't mean that the harassing voices don't come and chirp and chatter in your ear. Does anybody know what I'm talking about when I talk about those harassing voices that, that chatter in your ear saying you're not worth anything, you'll never be better, you'll never, never uh, be anything more than what you are. And if we begin to understand and know who we are in Him and what we have in Him, it will stop those harassing voices or cause us to not respond to them or believe them any longer. Amen? I don't know about you, but it is a dark place when you look in the mirror and don't see anything worth value. When you look in the mirror and you beat yourself up. I've been in that place. But upon really grabbing hold of this, it has set me free. And so my question for you is this. In the last two weeks, as we begun to find out who we are and talk about how much God loves you and what God has done for you in your life... And we leave church saying, yes, God loves me. Yes, my past is erased. Yes, I'm free. But then Monday comes, and Tuesday comes, and Wednesday comes, and Friday comes. And you start hearing the voices, and we start feeling horrible, and we start beating ourselves up once again. If we've walked away from, or we started hearing and believing the voices of self-doubt and defeat more than the voice of who we are in Christ. My question for you is this. Who told you that? Because in order for you to agree with something, somebody had to say something. In order for us to believe who we are in Christ, we had to hear what God said about us. But in order for us to say, I feel like I'm a bum, I feel crummy, I feel like a loser, I feel like a failure, who told you that? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Who told us and who's talking? In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, it says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness in heavenly places. Did you notice what the Bible says? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Or we could say it this way, it's the devil and all his followers that would come and harass you. Did you know that the Bible says that the the devil used to be in heaven? But he thought he had britches too big and so he got kicked out of heaven. But there was angels up there as well that says, well, hey, we're going to side in with the devil. And the Bible says that God kicked them out of heaven as well. Well, they're still around. He's just trying to harass you now. And all those falling angels, they're there trying to harass you, talk to you. And so the Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual hosts in heavenly places. So in other words, your husband is not your enemy. Your wife is not your enemy. Your boss is not your enemy. Now, the enemy might push those buttons in those people, and there's an influence behind it, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's something else that's at work behind the scenes 
that is trying to defeat you. Come on, are you here this morning? The Bible says this. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Who's the brethren? It's the Christian. What's he accusing? He's accusing you of all your past, of all your mistakes, of all your failures as to why you should feel so crummy and feel like you should be a loser and that you'll never be anything more than what you are. And so what we end up doing is we start listening to the accusations and begin to agree with them. And before too long, we start saying those things out of our very mouth. What was our homework assignment? To go post our pictures on on, on Facebook? I'm free. That's the confession that we're making. I'm free. Why? Because of what Jesus came to do. But how many of us found ourselves as the week going on? I don't feel so free anymore. Why did we feel that way? Because we started listening to the accusations. Anybody here this morning? Anybody identifying with what I'm talking about? Anybody got beyond Sunday night and then the accusations started coming? And so once again, we've got to begin to identify what we're warring against. The enemy wants you to feel like you'll never amount to anything. He wants to remind you of your past. And if we do not remember or don't tap into the knowledge of us being new creations in Christ, that the old has passed away, we'll continue to live in this cloud of who we think we are or the accusations that's coming at us. Now, in Ephesians chapter 1, we won't take the time to get there, but the Bible tells us this in Ephesians chapter 1, getting down in about verse 18. The Bible says that Jesus... There was this power that was at work that raised Christ from the dead. But then it says that God seated him at his right hand in a position of authority, far above all principalities and power. So when Jesus rose from the dead, when he went back to heaven, the Bible says that God set him on a throne at his right hand. And that right hand symbolizes authority. But in Ephesians chapter 2... Well, before I get to Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says this, that Jesus is the head and we are the body. He is the head of the church and we are the body of Christ. They go together, right? And so did you ever notice that a head and a body go together? If you see a body that is separated from its head, uh, there's no more life. (laughs) Right? And so a head and a body go together. So in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that this power raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father in a position of authority far above all principalities and powers. And you're like, yep, that's Jesus. He's above them. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, And Jesus raised us up together and seated us together with him in heavenly places. Why? Because you cannot separate the head from the body, right? So in other words, if Jesus is far above, if Jesus is in a position of authority and he's the head, you're the body, what does that make you? It makes you seated or sitting in a position of authority in Christ. Well, what about the devil? What about him? Well, he's, he's still harassing me. Well, if you begin to find out your position of authority, the place that you have in Christ, that you're far above, you begin to take on a different countenance about yourself rather than cowering down. In fact, for so long, we've heard within the church, well, the devil might get you, the devil might get you, the devil might get you. 
You better not say that. You know, there's times people say, you know, hey, don't shake my hand because I got a cold and I won't want you to get a cold. I'm not afraid of the cold. I'm not afraid of the flu. I purpose not to get sick because I know my authority. You realize sickness doesn't come from God. It comes from the enemy, right? And so, therefore, do I have to be afraid of the flu? No. Do I use common sense? Yeah. But do there, is there symptoms that don't try to come? Oh, sure they do. But what do I do? I say, oh, well, oh, stop right there. Uh, devil, you can't do that to me. You can't harass me with the flu. You can't harass me with depression. You can't harass me with this and that because I have a position of authority. Now, once again, let me just take that a little bit further to help you in your understanding. Uh, 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 when it comes to this position of authority, the Bible says that it's your inheritance as a believer. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. It says, we have been blessed, or God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Everybody say, in Christ. In Christ. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing that Jesus has, you have received as well. And so therefore, we have this inheritance of authority in the body of Christ. Now, what causes us not to walk in this position of authority? What causes us not to have a countenance of confidence? What causes us to have self-defeating thoughts and, and attitudes and countenances about us? It's the lack of knowledge. Remember we said that there is this treasure that's given to us? This hidden treasure of wisdom and knowledge of Him and Him or Jesus is in us. And so two things affect us as believers to not live in a position of victory or being able to use the authority God gave us when the enemy comes knocking on your door. One is the lack of knowledge, meaning you didn't know that you had it. Secondly, is not acting on the knowledge that you know. So let me give you a couple examples just to drive it home. Uh, next year is voting year, right? It's election year. Hello? Yes. Y'all going to vote, right? All right. So the, 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 in November, the election comes around, and somebody asks you afterwards and says, Well, did you vote? Oh, I didn't know that I could. Well, if you're a United States citizen... You have the right to vote. But just because you have the right, but if you didn't know it, you can't use it, right? Or you can't cast your vote. Or you say, somebody says to you, well, did you vote? Well, no, I just chose not to. Well, did you know that you could? Yeah, I knew that I could. I just didn't really care. So I just didn't vote. So therefore, one is you didn't know. Secondly, you knew, but you just didn't act on it. All right, we have evening service here at the church. You know, there's multiple light switches in here. You might come in here and you think, dear God, it's dark in here. We can't see anything. Well, turn the light switch on. Well, I don't know what light switch turns the lights on. Well, if you don't know which light switch turns them on, you can't activate the light or turn the light on, right? Or maybe you know where the light switch is, but you just sit there and say, well, I wish somebody would turn the light on. So you know where it's at. You're just not acting on it. You're not turning it on. And so we as believers, we've got to know that we have a position of authority that we don't have to just let life happen and we've got to act on this authority that, was, that has been given to you and I. Can you say amen? amen. You're doing all right? Yeah. All believers, all followers of Christ, the moment that they received Jesus, received this authority. Now once again, you may say, I didn't know I got that. 
Oh, yeah, you got some good stuff. You got some weapons, man. You got some TNT. You got some nukes, man. You got some good stuff the moment you receive Christ into your life. Therefore, you don't have to let life just happen. Stuff don't have to just run its course in life. We have a position. We have a place. And the Bible says this, that if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Now, what's the truth? The truth is God's word. The Bible tells us, we just just mentioned this for the last three weeks, that in the New Testament, in the epistles, there are 130 selfies of who you are and what you have. And therefore, upon knowing the truth, the truth can set you free. But if you don't know it, you can't appropriate it. And I've got to say, as a pastor, that's one of the biggest frustrations that I have is that you love people so much and you want them to have victory in their life. Do you know what I'm talking about? We've got family members. Maybe there's people that you care about and that you love. And maybe there's times that you even carry this burden on you because you want so much for those people that you care about. And and, and you pray for them. And you want to see God do things in their life. But this is something that the Lord said to me a, a long time ago. He says, you are trying to do in the lives of the people of your church what only the Word of God can do. So in other words, I'm trying to get people to be free. I'm trying to get people to live in victory. I'm trying to see people have success. And I'm trying to help and coach them. But it's upon you knowing the truth that makes you free. And the truth is only in the Word of God. And so I can try to help you. But if you never get it on the inside to where you know what belongs to you, what God did for you, who you are in Christ, I can hope in vain and you'll still live the same way. God also said this, you're trying to pray for things that only my word can do. Do you realize prayer is good and prayer is effective, but prayer is effective only to the point that somebody will respond to the word of God. So I can pray for you all day long. I can say, God, help them. Help them have success of life. Help them get through the hurdles of life. Help them in this area of the sickness of their life. Help them through this poverty and these these situations that they're facing. But until you or anybody else or myself included are willing to say, God, here's what your word says. Here's who I am. Here's what I have. My prayers don't have much effect. Nor do yours. Are you following me? And so listen... I know that many times we look at family members, we look at individuals, and we, dis- we desire so much for them. But until they know the truth, nothing's going to change. Amen. The Bible says this. We said this the first week. We said that the gospel really means good news. It's glad tidings. And so the word of God will make you glad, right? That's what the word of God is. It's good tidings. And so, therefore, as a result, the Word of God will make me happy. It will cause me to, it will put me over in life. I don't have to just stand for the status quo. I shared the the example of the one woman that says she's asking whether or not the, the gentleman is a tither or not. Is she simply asking, are you good with your money? Or are you a Christian man that, that does his duty and follows all the rules and regulations of a believer? No. She's asking the question, are you a doer of the word and do you know the truth? 
Because if you know the truth, you'll be successful in the area of your finances and you'll be blessed. And therefore, if you're blessed and we get into a relationship, then our, our, our relationship will be blessed. But if she identifies and says, oh, you're not even a doer of the word and you don't know the truth. And therefore, if I get hooked up with you, it's bound to be a mess. Come on. God wants us to be successful in life. Amen? All right. Just to give you another example in regard to making this point or driving this point home. We said it's the word of God that will put you over in your life. That will make you a success. Knowing the truth of who you are in Christ. Let me put it this way. Everybody needs to breathe, right? But everybody also needs to eat. Come on. You need to breathe and you need to eat. Well, we could say it this way. That breathing is like praying and eating is like feeding on the Word of God. Now, if you breathe and continue to breathe without eating, how many of you know that you won't breathe for very long after that? Why? Because you can breathe, but if you're not eating, eventually you're going to die. The same thing is applicable when it comes to knowing who you are in Christ. You can pray all day long. God help. God help. God help. But if you don't know what the Word of God is, if you're not feeding on the Word to know what Jesus said about you, eventually you're going to be malnutritioned, spiritually speaking, and you're going to continue to struggle and seeing God's success in your life. Amen? So what is authority? Let's let's look at this. Are are, are you ready? Now, I said about feeding on the Word of God. Do you realize that you need to feed on the Word of God? Wouldn't it be great? Now, again, we have church on Sunday morning, and we have church on on, on the first Tuesday of every month, just simply uh, with encounter. Wouldn't it be great for us to have more services just than Sunday morning? I mean, some of you may not, not think, well, I just, you know, I barely get here on Sunday morning. You had more church service. Man, I don't know. No, you need, you need to be fed the Word of God. And so as a church, we really, we need to have more than just a Sunday morning. Why? Because once again, you don't just eat once a week and say, well, I'm, I'm fully satisfied. I mean, you might eat real big. You might eat a huge meal to where you're so stuffed you feel like you're going to just... Whoa. But that one meal isn't going to keep you healthy through the whole entire week. And so, therefore, it's, it would be good for us to have more than one opportunity just to come together on a Sunday morning. Amen. So what is authority? Just thought that was a side kicker. Side kicker? Is that even a thing? <laughs> it is now, yeah. They write a dictionary of all the little key phrases that I come up with or things that I make up. So that would just go in that dictionary. So, anyways, Luke chapter 10 Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now, the literal translation as we study that, obviously you realize sometimes when we read it in the, uh, the King James Bible, we're like, what in the world are they trying to tell us? You play with, with snakes, you play with scorpions, you pray, play, pray, play with serpents. No, what Jesus was saying. He says, I'm giving you power to trample on all the devil's host, all what the devil would try to do, because I'm giving you power. But the interesting thing is, is that that word power isn't really translated the right way. Because in the literal Greek, that word power is translated as authority. So in other words, what Jesus was really trying to say to them, he says, as I give you authority 
to stand against the enemy, all his cohorts, and trample on them. Keep them underfoot. So that makes it a little bit more clear now. He says, I'm giving you authority. So if we look at it from the standpoint of a police officer, anybody uh, been in a, an area where it was very congested with traffic, maybe in city, maybe some of you went to, back to the bricks, and maybe there were some police officers that were there, and, and they were directing traffic. And as a result of that police officer giving direction, those cars would go a certain way. Now, if we was to simply use that scripture at face value and say, does that police officer have the power to stop those cars? He doesn't, does he? I mean, he'd look awful funny out there trying to push against the car. No, you can't come back here. Stop! And try to withhold that car because he doesn't have the power to do it. But does he have the authority? Oh, yeah. He does have the authority because of the badge and the office that he stands on. And all the power of the city and the state is behind him. And therefore, as a result of that authority given to him, based on the power backing him, he can say, stop, turn, go this way. And what do we do? We listen. We stop. We, we go the different direction. We're saying, well, no, I want to go that way. And he says, no, I said go that way. And what do we do? We go that way. Because we respect the authority and the power backing that authority. So Jesus said, I give you authority to trample on the enemy. Now, what kind of power does he have? He's got some awesome power. He's got awesome power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. And it's the same power that backs you up. So that when you say, stop, he's got to stop. Shouted just to wake you up, just in the event. So I mean, <laughs> right? Now, now, for so long, many times we as we, you know, I wish the devil would just stop beating me up. I wish God would do something about that. God says, "I've given you the authority. You do something about it." There's been times in my life that the enemy would mess with me in certain areas of my life, and once you begin to find out your authority, you say, "Nope." Talk to the hand. Because I've told you to stop. And he has to stop. I'm telling you what. Once you find out who you are, you'll find that you'll stop a whole lot more that goes on in your life than you realize you have the power to do. Amen? So we have the authority. Now, I realize for some of us, depending on how we were raised, some might say, well, that authority that Jesus gave them, he gave that to the disciples. And so that's why that they could do what they did. But let me just bring something to your attention. These disciples were not born again. They were not saved. And yet Jesus said, I give you authority. Jesus had not died on the cross. He had not shed his blood. He had not went to the throne yet. And yet these disciples had authority over the enemy. What a shame and what a hoax it would be for us that have received Christ, that have become born-again believers upon receiving the gift of what Jesus did at Calvary, and we have less authority than what they did? Come on. Jesus paid too great of a price for us not to begin to step into the place of authority that God has given us in Christ. Say, I'm in Christ. Say, it belongs to me. me. Amen. Amen. 
Now, Christ or Jesus has no authority outside of his body. Now, what do I mean by that? We as believers, oftentimes we've prayed this way. God, do something about that harassing voice in my head. God, do something about the enemy because he keeps messing with me. God, do something about the devil because he keeps messing with my family. Now, let me just say this real quick. Now, I'm not trying to highlight the devil because he's a defeated foe. But you've got to understand that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power. A lot of the mess that we face in life is a result of the enemy trying to mess with you. Now, I know one uh, particular person, they said they came from a church, and they said, well, they never talked about this. They just preached good, feel-good messages that made us feel good when we left. I want you to feel good. I want you to know who you are in Christ. I want you to know that you can stand victorious because you've got authority. But I also want you to know that there's an enemy that is coming to uh, attack our lives. The Bible says that he's as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How does he have the ability that he may devour? It's because we don't know what we have. We don't know we have the right to stop him in his tracks. And so again, I'm not doing or saying or, or, or talking about this for the sake of elevating the enemy or the devil. I want you to know that he's defeated. I want you to know that his tail is between his legs and he's, he's terrified for you to find out who you are. And as I said, Jesus cannot do anything outside of the body. Who's the body? You and me. Oh God, will you do something about that? No, he said, I left that up for you to do. And I said, well, I have a hard time chewing on that. Okay, let me just give it to you from a natural illustration. All right, my head says, yes, it's a natural illustration. <laughs> I always get razzed on you and your natural illustrations. Yeah, a natural illustration. My head says, pick up that Bible. All right. In fact, honey, I'm a, I want to get you on camera. Come up here and join me for a minute just so that you can make me look pretty having you up here. All right. Now, I'm going to talk to your head, just your head alone, and I want you to pick up that Bible. Can you do it? You can do it with your head. Yeah, well, no. You can't. So, so how are you going to pick up that Bible? Even though your head says pick it up. You can't in your head. It takes her body to pick it up, right? Thank you. You're my Vanna White. <laughs> Just love you, baby. So what are you going to do? You cannot pick up a Bible without your body as much as your head says it wants to. Have you noticed people that sit in wheelchairs and they're called paraplegics? The signal is broken from the mind or the brain to the body. The brain can say all day long, get up and walk, get up and walk, get up and walk. But the body's not getting the signal. And so it sits in the chair. Believers have been sitting in the chairs and the wheelchairs of life because the signal has been broken from our head or the head of the church that says you have authority and we sit back saying, oh, <laughs> poor me. And God says, I've done everything that I'm going to do. Jesus sat down. Why did he sit down? Did he need to take a rest? Did he need to take a break? No, he sat down because the work was finished and he said, now I give authority to you. Are you here this morning? He says, the authority is yours. And then the Bible says this, resist the devil and he'll flee. Did you notice it says resist? 
Or resist the devil simply means that he's going to come and he's going to mess with you. And to resist means that he's going to come back again. And to resist means that he's going to come back again. Do you remember in the story of the Gospels where it talked about Jesus and that he was tempted in the wilderness? If you remember one portion, it says that Jesus, when he told the devil, he says, it is written. And the Bible says that the devil left for a season. So what did that mean? It means that the enemy comes back, even to Jesus. Comes and pokes, comes and picks, comes and makes accusations. So what do we do? We keep resisting. We keep resisting. Shut up. You have no right. Stop right there in your tracks. I'm victorious. I have authority. I'm a winner. The past is gone. I'm not identified. I'm not labeled with what happened back there. Maybe everything that was, was back there was based upon the choices and the decisions you made. Maybe the choices or the, the things that happened back then, you had no control over. Whatever the case might be, it's in the past. You can't change the past, but you can change your future. And so the harassment of what happened in the past, I don't care what it was. If you want to make excuses for it, you want to put labels on it, go right ahead and you'll continue to live exactly where you're at. But the moment you'll say, stop, I don't have to live in the past because I'm free. I know who I am. I know what I have. I know what Jesus came to do. And the old has passed away. I'm a new creation in Christ. And therefore, I am free. Say, I'm free. free. Amen. And notice what the Bible says. It says that if you'll resist the devil, he will flee. That word flee is also translated as to run as in terror. See, we Christians, we sit back and we say, oh, geez, it's real rough out there. Oh, things are looking, looking horrible. Flint's going down. We keep hooking up and we keep agreeing with the, the reports of everybody else. And every time we do, the devil says, yep, it's my city. It's going under. How about we as believers say, no, uh-uh, this is our city. It's changing. It's getting better. We're coming out. Amen? Amen. You know, I went to the Philippines several years back and we went and taught in a Bible school there. And there was the first year and the second year. And every year they come up with sayings that would be their mantra or their, 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 their model for the year. The first year their model was this. We're on top and rising. Sounds good, doesn't it? We're on top and we're rising. And they would do it with a hand gesture. We'd say, how you doing? On top and rising. We'd say to the second year, who are you? They'd say, we're tougher than hell. I thought, yeah. Come on, they weren't cursing. They're saying we're tougher than hell. Hell tries to come against us. Hell tries to attack. But Jesus defeated hell, and therefore we're tougher than hell. Amen. Put that in your GVC selfie post this week. Tougher than hell. Come on. You say, you want us to? Yeah, do it. You say, well, what if I have some people look at me? They're thinking I'm swearing. Maybe they'll stir up some conversation. What do you mean tougher than hell? Well, let me just tell you. Or why don't you just come to my church and you find out how tough we are. You doing all right? Yes. All right. As I said, the body has, or excuse me, the head has no authority, it has no power without the body. The body must carry out the action. 
Jesus who has already paid the price for us to be victorious. Ephesians chapter 1, it says this. It says that uh, this power has raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand. And therefore, in verse 5, it says, We've been seated together with Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So we are one in His victory. Amen. And lastly, if you will, turn in your Bibles. 1 John. I wasn't going to go here, but 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Get my glasses here. First John chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know, the Spirit of God... Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come, into the, come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Who's them? All the spirits that would try to come against and take the attention away from what Jesus did and who Jesus is. It says, And you've overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Everybody say, I'm greater. greater. Because the greater one's in me. Amen. You have authority. And unless you operate and function in that authority, the devil will beat you up one side and down the other. You say, how do I resist him? You simply open up your mouth and remind them what the Word says, who you are, and what you have. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Did you do okay this morning? Like I said, this particular series is a little bit meatier than what we might generally get into. But I want you to know that you, you have more on the inside than you know that you have because of what Jesus came to do. And we don't just have to let things happen. We have a say-so. I have a word. Amen? Amen. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanted to simply challenge you this morning. If maybe you're here this morning and it seems that life has beat you up, tore you down, you feel like maybe this is as good as it gets, Listen, I want you to know that Jesus paid too great of a price for you to feel like a failure, for you to be hurting, for you to be struggling. Maybe you're here and you've struggled with addictions of whatever kind there might be. Maybe you're here this morning and you've struggled with depression. Maybe you've even contemplated suicide. Listen, that's just the harassing voices. And the reason they harass you is because they see the potential of all that's in you and are hoping you never see it. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you've never asked Jesus into your heart, you've never received the gift of salvation, 
I want to give you that invitation. You may say, well, what does that mean? If you were to die today, do you know that you would spend eternity in heaven? You might say, I hope so. But friend, listen, hoping doesn't get you there. You might say, I think so. But listen, you can't have enough positive thinking to get you into heaven once you're dead. But there is a knowing on the inside. And that comes by making Jesus the Lord of your life. Saying, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. And therefore, if that's you today, I want to give you that invitation to come into the family of God. To receive the victory that He paid a price for. I don't want anybody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. But right there where you're at. If you would like to receive Jesus, I want to pray with you. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody in this place? Say, I want to know him. I see that hand back there. Thank you. You can put it down once you put it up. Listen, like I said, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up. I just want to pray with you. Nobody's looking around. This is between you and God. I want to receive Jesus. Is that you today? Say, I want a fresh start. I want to... I want to feel like I'm somebody. I want to know that I've got victory. I want to know that there's hope for my life. I want to know that there's an expected end, that I'm not just going to struggle through life. Is that you today? And you say, I want to know Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? Anybody in this place? All right, with every head bowed and every eye closed, can we pray this together? If you wish you would have raised your hand or... Just was afraid to, you can still pray this prayer and it means just as much. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus that He died for me, that He conquered sin, and therefore I'm free from sin. Jesus, come into my heart. Make me new. Make me a new creation in Jesus' name. Now thank you that I have authority over the enemy. I'm free. I have victory. Harassing thoughts. Harassing voices. I tell you, stop. In Jesus' name. Because I'm free. And I'm in Him. Amen and amen. Amen. Come on, this is just the beginning. Now just, if you want more information about who you are in Him, there's just a few back there, but on the counter before you leave... You'll see what's called a carbon copy. There's just some postcards. On the back are several scriptures. There's not all 130, but scriptures that say who you are in Him or in Christ. And you can just begin to study that and find out what you have. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's worship God one last time before we leave. Amen.